0: Isaiah, can I ask you a serious question? Yes. Who will you be voting for? Ooh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, to be clear, for best restaurant in Rochester. Um, Cheap Charlie's. Charlie's. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Duh. <We're laughs> uh, hello, everyone. Uh, discover a life-giving local church where, you, where you'll find the community and the support that you have been looking for. Join us for our service at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 or 10.45. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church. I like to go to first service, run over, get some cheap Charlies, and hit the second service. (laughs) That's what I I call the cheap Charlie sandwich. At Echo, we hope you find your place, people, and purpose experiencing a true sense of belonging while building friendships and finding support. We believe this is what we're all seeking and we can't wait to share it with you. With you. As always, check out the Echo, Echo Weekly email to see what's happening at uh, Echo Church and all the things. And all of the things. Oh. And uh, there's some cheap Charlie's coupons <laughs> in there, so I <laughs> know you're excited about that. That's why I read. Oh. Uh, embrace the power of obedience to God's word through your giving at Echo Church. Your contributions extend far beyond finances. They foster spiritual growth, they fuel transformative ministries, and they strengthen our community of hope. Join us in this faith-driven journey of generosity. Right, and we invite you to head to our website or Ben Ross at We Are The Echo Church, and let's come together in this generous obedience and make a difference. Awesome. Enjoy Echo online service.
1: the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law, in fact. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. From this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. How's everybody doing today? Anybody glad to be here at Echo Church? Oh, man. It it is just uh, just—it's great to be here today. And I just was sitting there um, listening to Debbie Reed and just kind of uh, looking out in the crowd. And I I just had this overwhelming thankfulness for you and uh, who you are and what God's doing in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, You know what? I want to encourage us to, to... memorize scripture and in verse 18 it says dear children let us not love with words or speech but with action and in truth I just kind of think man our, our life would be a little bit better this week if we would memorize that I would think our, our week could potentially look better our workspace or our school um, our home, man. If we could just re- be reminded that uh, it's not just about words or our speech, but by action and in truth, amen. Uh, recently, I've been reading a book called Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw, and um, for those that don't know him, um, he is a little bit of a uh, maybe polarizing political uh, figure in some respect. But um, his story is fascinating, and someone had had. More or less, encouraged me to, to listen to the book or read the book, and I've been listening to it. And I just was uh, just kind of grabbed this week as something came up, and I thought it would, it would uh, be pertinent and uh, relevant to, to this discussion with this scripture in mind. And so, just a little bit of background Dan Crenshaw in 2012 uh, was uh, cautiously moving during or, or cautiously na- navigating in a mission in Afghanistan when an IED was triggered by an Afghan interpreter next to him. Uh, Unfortunately, this blast caused significant damage to Dan's left right right eye and eventually resulted in the removal of it. Uh, He also suffered many other injuries and he was airlifted out and had a number of different surgeries. And at that very moment, his dreams were absolutely dashed in front of him. And where we pick up is chapter nine of this book, and, and more or less he presents this idea that after nine months or I'm sorry, after a couple months of in treatment uh, inpatient treatment, he writes about how his patients were, were wearing thin. It was just rubbing thin, and things weren't maybe getting easier. and he noticed himself becoming angry and disappointed. So much so that he started mistreating the people around him that were helping him. And he makes this one observation at that very moment. He said he, he began to admit that he was externalizing blame instead of internalizing responsibility. Did you hear that? He was externalizing blame. He was externalizing the issue, right? Instead of internalizing responsibility. And with that quote in mind and and the scripture that we read, the big idea for you today to take away and run with is this, is we will never love one another as we should unless we see our responsibility to do so. We'll never be who God has called us to be until we understand our responsibility. And and, and let me just kind of make this a little bit more clear. I really believe that it's not just my responsibility. It's not just your responsibility. It is our collective calling and responsibility as the church to love one another, I love this text because it is a reminder that if we do not have love, we do not have much. And and it's very clear at the beginning of the text. It says, God lavished his love upon us. It doesn't say God lavished his love on you. It doesn't say that God lavished, uh, lavished his love on me. But he lavished it on his children, plural. That's a great place to say amen. I am so thankful that God doesn't just love the other and he doesn't just love me. He loves us collectively. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I read that text, one specific sentence uh, or a kind of a combination of two sentences just, just jumped out of the screen uh, and off the page uh, just because of, the, of where it is together. And this is what it says. It says, love, love one another and don't be like Cain. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be like Cain. <laughs> I'll look at your other neighbor and, neighbor and say, love me love me. Now now here's the deal like I got a little empathy for Cain because why is it Cain? I feel just ba- I feel bad for the guy. There's barely anything written in the text and, and and really in the Old Testament about him, but there is a bone to pick with Cain. Like it's kind of crazy to me and and so Cain like as I was thinking like like why wouldn't it be like Judas? Like love one another but don't be like Judas or one another uh, love one another but don't be like Herod. Love one another, don't be like the many pharaohs that, that we had to deal with. Like, or, or I, you know, I mean, again, like it could be like, love one another and don't be like Saul because, man, he just was a mean king. You know, I, I don't know, but Cain, man, he just is attacked there. And so I, I got to thinking, like, well, it's probably worth diving a little bit into the text and what it says about Cain. And so in um, verse 12, it says, do not be like Cain who belongs to the evil one, And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. So I thought you know what. We need to jump into Genesis 4. And the account of Cain and Abel. So Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. It says this. Adam made love to his wife Eve. Church came a little PG-13 today. And she became pregnant. And gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And now Abel kept the flocks and Cain worked the soil. In course time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought an offering, fat portion and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said, Cain, why are you so angry? Why, why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you and you must rule over it now Cain said to his brother Abel let's go out to the field let's, let's go out to my space you know what I'm saying and, and there while they were in the field Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him then the Lord said to Cain where is your brother Abel And which Cain replies I don't know am I my brother's keeper basically If I can just break it down as simple as possible. Cain offered. Cain made some effort. After that offering was given to God, I think he viewed it as he came in second place. And then lastly, he went and killed. Now some of you are like, man, I don't relate to that at all. But let me suggest, maybe you do. Maybe we do. Again, uh, some of you are really happy because you, went to ch- you got to church today and you didn't kill anybody on the way. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I know how it feels and I experienced it last night driving in a car full of kids that are arguing in the midst of each other and I am just trying to have a great family date but but honestly, a lot of us we discredit maybe this story because we're like we don't feel like Cain because we didn't kill anybody lately. We patting ourselves on the back, as you should. Way to go! Actually, I'm happy you haven't. Really, I mean, I mean, we are capable. Okay, uh, but the here's the deal, like 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 he made effort he felt like he came in second place and there he killed and 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 although you haven't killed anybody recently let me suggest you probably have canceled a few people along the way it's not just about the action itself of murder that's the issue here in the text today it's about what is leading up to what happens when cain kills and slays His brother. Just recently, uh, my wife and I uh, both submitted an entry into trying to win a few uh, electric bikes and, and I watched, okay. Like, trust me, I did what Kane did and what, what Kane did. I was comparing everybody else's videos and I was looking at my own and going like, we are going to win something. Like we have to, you know, we have to. And, and anyway, the deadline came and passed and we didn't hear anything for about a week. And I got a little anxious. So I, I, I had a direct message to this company. And when I did so, um, uh, they got back and said, well, it's actually August 15th is, is when we will announce. And then August 15th came, and we waited kind of impatiently, but we did it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, a couple days passed after that, and now my wife has reached out and find out that, like, if you were a winner, you would have known. Oh, I was so bummed. I was so disappointed, and I was thinking about it, like I was cleaning up my garage yesterday, thinking about that, looking at the bike in the corner, and I was like, I think I'm going to sell my bike. I'm going to sell that electric I don't even like it anymore. (laughs) And you're laughing at me, but you can sit back and judge me as much as you want, but this is what we do. Do you you get what I'm saying? Like you have this idea of how things are, you, know, you make your offering, you live your life, right? And then all of a sudden you step in the outcome and maybe that outcome isn't exactly the way it is or whatever, you help someone out and they don't really articulate their appreciation as best as they should or could. And then all of a sudden, what starts creeping up in your soul? May I share that, Dumb story about the electric bike. Like, I'm being honest with you. Like, 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 there's something within me that is just, it was just disappointed. And it was such a minuscule kind of thing. And so, so I just kind of wonder, like, if some of us are living our life and, and, and we need this reminder in First John that says, love one another and don't be like Cain. Like, today is this reminder that you might be a lot more like Cain than you think you are. And so, like my big takeaway today, my big one point is this: is is don't cane it. Write that down. Like don't cane it. In fact, some of you, you need to go out this week and get a tattoo on your forearm that says "don't cane it." No, don't do that. Don't do it. Send the bill to Scott. He'll pay for it. But um. But I wanna zoom in a little bit of what was going on here in the text in Genesis and in 1 John and and, and really like if we're not gonna be like Cain, then then let's like name some of the things that Cain did and we can read and articulate or we can we can uh pull out of the scripture. Uh the first one is let's let's address our time or your time and your convenience. Uh, it says this: in course time, in course time. Now, some of you are like well, you're reading a little bit into that Genesis text. No, I don't think I am. I think it's specific when it says in course time. I mean, over and over scripturally, you can find like there are things that happen at the right time. And, and, and in this text, it, it addresses Cain's uh, maybe priority and his timing and his convenience, I mean, if you're anything like me, man, I will love you as long as it's convenient for me. I will help you if it works with my timing. Does anybody relate to this at all today or is it just me? It is so easy to to when we're offering our our whatever we're offering to God, if it's our and we're offering things to people like our love, our care, our concern, our empathy. Man, it is so easy for our convenience and our time to begin to control the narrative, control our actions. So if we're not going to be like Cain, we got to begin to maybe be challenged just a little bit that maybe. To love the way that God loves, and to live that out in our everyday ordinary life, then guess what, we are going to be inconvenient, inconvenience from time to time. Sometimes it won't work with our time. So let me ask you, uh, with your time and your convenience in mind, like how are you navigating that with your faith? How are you navigating that with your relationship with Jesus? Is it just in your convenient time? If you get to, to it, is it about in course of time? Like when you get to it, then it will happen. I think so often faith can be a last idea instead of a first response in essence. and How about this one? How about when it comes to your convenience and your time? What about your What about your love? I mean, really? What about your love? Are, are we are we being people that are 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 more than than willing to step out and inconvenience ourselves for the others around us? Understanding that if God lavished His love upon us, then we are called to lavish our love upon others. How about this at your workspace? When's the last time you inconvenienced yourself for your employer? I don't know if you're anything like me in the past, like, like I get it, like when I was getting paid $425 an hour, come on, somebody. <laughs> like, like, oh, I didn't want, I wasn't really motivated to do anything extra within the job. It was so easy to just reach bare minimums, but what if it means to be a follower of Jesus that we would inconvenience ourselves and we would go beyond expectation, even when we're not being paid? Enough, even when we're not being appreciated enough. What about your time and your convenience when it comes to your worship and your praise to God? Again, it's so easy to come here on Sunday morning and 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 just kind of walk into the place and you're tired, you're weary, you you argued all the way to church and the last thing you feel like doing is bringing God praise and worship. How about this when it comes to convenience and timing and I hear this all the time as some people struggle with giving to the church and and, and really, really investing in the idea of tithes and offering when it comes to it because, because it's inconvenient with their budget or it's just not time. I mean, I know people who get so caught up and they're so excited about getting out of debt. They say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pause on giving to God what is God's until we get out of debt. So then we can give more. And I would just say that it seems to be with this text in the scripture that it's not about our convenience. It's about the calling that God has on your life. If we're not going to be like Cain, we've got to consider your choices. The choices of what you offer to God and the world around you. The text in Genesis says that Cain chose some of the fruits. He took some of the fruits and he offered. And, and the way that I read that is and, and really in contrast to what Abel did is he chose nothing particular. He chose nothing special. He just, uh, when, it got, when it was time, right? In due time, right? Like, and again, I don't really know what the timing situation was, but here in this specific detail, he comes and he brings just some fruit. Where Abel, what did he bring? He brought of the firstborn and also of the first, or of the fat. What does that mean to us? He brought his best. That Abel was intentional to not just bring some. Abel brought the best. And I was just thinking about it. Like, you know, like when you come into church, I think a really great practice for this church particularly would be this. When you sit down in your seats, you pause and you pray and say, Holy Spirit, what am I to offer you today. I think one of the biggest issues of the modern day church is you can start viewing it as you view a restaurant or a athletic club. You can really start looking and viewing church as something that you consume versus something that you invest within. I just believe with all my heart, if everybody came in here and said, Holy Spirit, what do I have to offer? The Holy Spirit would speak to you. And and honestly, like, like what needs to sit in this room is a bunch of people that are attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that when the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks, that you are obedient to the call no matter what it is. And I would just say this church would change drastically for the better. Not that it's bad, but it would be drastically better if we were all attuned and faithful to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what he's calling us to offer here on a Sunday. And some of you that are not into that, like honestly, a great prayer on the way to work would be Holy Spirit, what do you want me to bring today to work? What do you want me to bring to school? And pause and listen and see how God begins to use you. And don't give him a choice, give him your best Number three, if we're not going to be like Cain, then we've got to address our concerns. We have to be aware of the issues within our mind and our heart. And one of the biggest issues, and I talk about this all the time, is comparison. And we see that here in the text in verse 4 of, uh, four, four of Genesis. It says, "'The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, "'but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor.'" He did not look with favor this is where Cain's like man I came in second place I, I didn't really live up to the standard I should have been and, and this is where he start he became concerned about what it was what it meant to him and 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 less about what it meant to us or the collective group or the relationship that God had with Abel and Cain and the people on that earth at that very moment and he start getting instead of uh, maybe Externally looking outside of himself, he start internally holding on to things that he had no control of holding on to. And 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 and, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how First John and it makes reference of a few words that I think are worth bringing up today, and as well as a bunch of different locations scripturally. And First John addresses sin repeatedly, and one of the, three of those sins are to lust to envy, and to covet other people's possessions. And I want to bring those up today because what that is is a fixation on things that you do not have and may not be able to have. And a lot of times, if we're going to become disappointed, we get disappointed in the things that we cannot control. And 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 although we would love to control it, and those types of things start really brewing and start growing within our life—that envy, that lust, that desire to covet, that that desire to have something that is not yours—and and I believe this is where really start going downhill for Cain, because those ro- those seeds were rooted within his heart. See, I believe that his his gift wasn't actually second place, but it wasn't what he could have done, and he chose to do less. This is where I think it starts deteriorating. In fact, this is where I think it eventually leads up to murder, In Matthew 5, Jesus is Jesus teaches to the Pharisees and those that are listening that you have to far exceed the expectations of the Pharisees to inherit the kingdom of God. That was, in essence, Jesus' way of telling the people that were listening that you are not able to do this. You are not capable of this. You need a Savior. But at the same time, he teaches the people a principle. And the principle is this, is you have heard that it was said to the people long ago that you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject, subject to judgment. Did you hear that? It's not just the action in itself that is the sin. It is the, it is the heart issue. It's the placement of your mind, the fixation of the disappointment that begins to stir something within you. And so he says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother and sister, Raka is answerable to the court and anyone who says you fool will be in dangers uh, danger of the fire of hell that's what i'm trying to address here if we're not going to be like if we're trying to not be like Cain we've got to deal with the things and the issues and the internal processes and the concerns of our heart and our mind if we're going to move away from Cain the sidebar is interesting enough is Cain. His word and his, na- or his name means possession. And, and in 1 John, I find it absolutely remarkable that, that the, the author is, is, is so inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister... Okay, seize, a brother, seize your brother Abel, okay? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and what's interesting is, Cain, what Cain's, what's Cain's response? He says, am I my brother's keeper? And, you know what I'm saying? So if anyone has material possession and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I believe that there's this really cool interconnectedness of the story in Genesis and 1 John 3 that, that is trying to present this idea that, guess what? If we are so concerned about our own issues that we will not care for the world around us like God wants us to. Number four, if we're going to walk away and uh, make put some distance between us and Cain... Then we've got to address our own disappointments. What about your disappointments? Verse 15 says Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing. In him. And, and I bring that up because murder doesn't happen in the action. Murder happens in the moment where you begin to allow bitterness and anger to begin to, to grow and take root and eventually leads you to t- trash talk or will lead you to, to gossip, will lead you to, to, to maybe make and, and decipher differences between you and the other. This is where the downward spiral begins to take place and goes a little bit deeper. So I have to ask you, how have you been treating your brother and sister? Have you been mistreating them? Maybe you come into this place and you have unresolved disappointment. Some of you have some unresolved anger. You have unresolved forgiveness issues. And, and I have to tell you, like like if we're going to walk away from Cain, that we have to consider what is planted within us today. What's your disappointment? And would you give it to God? And then lastly, what's your response? Address your reaction. The action is murder. But as As um, Dan had mentioned this, he says, externalizing blame instead of internalizing responsibility. He was lashing out. He was reacting, which is the most silly thing to think about is he is lashing out at people that is helping, trying to help him. And again, like before you walk away and walk out of church not thinking you're like Cain, you do that all the time. Because I, I just know it. It's the hardest to love the people you're closest to. And it's so easy to lash out. It's so easy to, 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 to forget the, the, I believe, like he says, that, that internalized responsibility to what God has called us to be as his children, See, our response should be motivated by our responsibility to love one another because God has lavished his love upon us. Did you hear that? Our response should be motivated by our responsibility to love one another. But so often we are motivated by our shame and by our blame and by our disappointment that we begin to fingerprint our finger point instead of helping the people around us. And I just kind of want to motivate you that you don't have to be like Cain. You don't have to Cain it. And some of you are like, man, but I am overwhelmed. Well, let me tell you, there is a better way. There really is. And and this is the way I want to say it. I am able. Look at your neighbor and say that you are able. I am able and, and, and honestly, with God's help, man, I can consider that when I come and offer and, 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 I, and, and because of out of the overflow of God's love, because of the love that he's lavished upon us, that I can bring my offering to this world and to God and to this church and I can do what's best first. I can bring my first and my best. And then the second thing is this again, is again is considering not just giving God your second, but giving your best. Not giving the world your second, but giving God your best. The third thing to resonate and really apply this lifestyle, I believe, of, of Abel and of, of Jesus Christ is I can bring what I have as an offering. Understanding that my response from God's lavish love is an act of worship to him. So what is your offering? What are you, what are you giving to God? What are you giving to others? And then, and then this is where I think this is the most critical point in this is if I am able, then I have to stand on the truth of God's word that his favor is upon me. That you didn't earn it and you don't deserve it. That God lavishes his love upon you. That God has blessed you to be a blessing. That out of the overflow of his favor, we live a flavorful world uh, lifestyle within the world. And we're faithful. We're faithful in action within his truth. That it's not just about word and speech, but it's about the faithfulness, no matter the outcome in the world around us. Because I gotta, gotta, let's be honest today. Some of you, you're going to do everything I said and the outcome is not going to be what you think it is, but you're called to be faithful still. And why is it? Well, because God has lavished his love on us. And regardless of the outcome, The favor of God is upon you. And if God's favor is upon you, then you can be faithful with the outcome no matter if it's good or if it is not. We are able. Jesus, today, I don't pretend that this is an easy message, but actually a pretty hard one. And we simply just come to you and say, we need your help. Some of us come in here and there's some deep roots of bitterness. There's some deep root, uh, roots of unforgiveness and, and, and there's some anger. And, and uh, <laughs> God, I just ask, the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come into this place and that you would speak to people and just remind them that there is hope for them if there is no root that's too deep that cannot be dug out by your help and your hand Holy Spirit so Lord again we submit to you we recommit to you we re-forgive we give up what we've been holding on to, God, our disappointments. And and we just say, God, would you just rewrite the narrative moving forward that today is the marker of a new chapter and a new way that we don't have to and, and stay in the old way of caning it and that we step into the life of being able to be faithful because Jesus, you have done the work for us and now do it in us in Jesus name and everybody said every week we pray a prayer if you don't mind standing up it's a reminder it's a reminder that we've we've tried to do it like Cain but there's this hope of doing it the way Jesus says And in order for us to do that, it requires a surrender. It's this understanding that, man, like you'll never amount to who you hope to be unless God is there with you. And all across this room, and I mean this, I just sense the Holy Spirit is trying to encounter you today. He is calling some of you by name. And this is a great response to that call. So church, let's pray this with people that'll pray this for the very first time today as we pray it as a reminder. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. May God continue to do his work in you this morning.
3: know the easiest way to grow a church is to tell people what they want to hear, right? Makes sense. And I just was thinking about Pastor Andy today, kind of bringing it to us, like, don't cane it, and what a ridiculous statement to say out loud as I hear myself say it, don't cane it. But uh, I was thinking about this story from this week. So I'm playing in a charity golf tournament tomorrow for Young Life, which is a super cool organization. And one of the guys I'm playing with, he's like, I need a new driver, it's like, I just, I'm, you know, today's the day I'm going to get a new driver. So he goes to the place, and he's like, okay, so the guy working there says, hey, try this one out, and try this one out, and try this one out, and see which one you like best. And he comes back in a few minutes, and he says to my buddy, he goes, hey, listen, I, I can't sell you a driver. It's not going to make any difference. is not the driver. It's the golfer. You know, it's funny, so rarely in our lives are people honest with us about things, like tell us the truth. And in my buddy's case, and in Pastor Andy's case today, I'm just proud to be people that speak truth, even though truth sometimes is a little hard. Now, one of the things we love to do here at Echoes, we like to celebrate. Can we give it up for those who came for the very first time today? We're so glad you're here. I say this a lot, but it's weird to go to a new church. It's just weird to walk in. What are the people going to be like? What's going to happen? get all those things another group of people we want to celebrate is those that said the prayer with us for the very first time come on